Hey, how are you doing, everybody? I'm excited. Oh. Oh, why, why are you excited? Because my friend of 35 years, an absolute uh, master of American filmmaking, uh, who directed uh, the groundbreaking Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which at the time it was made was considered too bloody for the art crowd and too arty for the blood crowd. <laughs> a couple of Arab gentlemen uh, gave John McNaughton $100,000, told him to go make a horror movie, and the bastard brought him back uh, a lasting, salient um, work of art. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it was his him. fault. Um <laughs> I've known him for 35 years. He's He also made a couple other masterpieces, Wild Things. Mad Dog and Glory. Mad Dog and Glory. Um, we are thrilled beyond words to have our dear friend, John McNaughton, who you've been calling Uncle John since you were like two. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How are you, pal? Oh, I'm pretty good. Better than I was. That's yeah, right. you were in the hospital yeah. earlier yeah. this year in the end of last year. Yep. What, what What was up? Uh, staph inspection, inspection, a staph infection of the lower lumbar spine, uh, and a abscess formed on one of my, uh, discs. And, Ew. Jesus. But, uh, you know, it wasn't all bad. They gave me morphine, Dilaudid, Oxycontin, yeah. hydrocodone, and yeah. Valium to take the edge off. So. <clears throat> well, if you have any leftover, you can always go to Wicker Park uh, and pedal those right. fuckers. Right. You know? Step out on Damon Avenue. Um. You're better now. You're yeah, feeling better. I'm better. I'm back to. I'm almost done with my physical therapy. I'm back at the gym. Uh, you know, I'm living. I'm back to teaching at Second City, so I'm pretty much back to normal. That's right. You're at Harold Ramis yeah, uh, Film Harold School. Ramis Film How's School. that doing? Uh, you know what? It, it's doing it tremendously well. For, That's awesome. Uh, it's. It's. I don't think it's. It's not two years old yet. And we had a meeting um, a couple months ago with DePaul uh, University yeah. because. There's going to be a merger of the Harold Ramis Film School at Second City and the, the DePaul Graduate Department. That's they're a great o- idea. They're that's gonna, they're gonna that's amazing. They're going to offer the first graduate uh, degree in the world in comedy. That wow. is awesome. So it's it's very interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a great group of people teaching over there, and uh, it's a very interesting concept. What uh, I, I saw some of the films that the the, the youngsters made, the class, you know, uh, they make each every. A student makes a short film, and there's only 15 right. students per class. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's a one-year intensive. But okay. now that they're going into the graduate department of DePaul, they're going to extend. You, you'll be able to do an extension and go and take a graduate degree if you okay, so right so so uh, desire. But right now, it's a one-year intensive, and uh, you know it's it's intended to. So they make a film, and they understand. You know, so they go out into the world and and work. Yeah, uh, and the the films that I saw. I saw 15 films so last last year. It was really quite good. I was impressed. That's awesome. I feel you like know, Second City's a good, uh, you know, a, a great film school for those who can't afford the full four-year college experience. Yep. It seems like well, everyone you know, that's there has, a, has an undergraduate degree. Okay, okay. So cool. they're not, ki- you know, they're not kids straight out of high school. Right, right, right. Thank, thank God. We, we, we made a <laughs> yeah, we, we made a film for DePaul. You did. Uh, I was in a film. I mean, you know, the, the for, DePaul students make films also, but DePaul, the tuition is like ungodly, where Second City's not so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. The one me and Rooker were in uh, <laughs> for somebody who I think taught at DePaul. For, for Matt. Uh, oh, God. 
Matt Irvin. Matt Irvin. Yeah, he made he made like a short film about you know like a hitman and yeah he he sort of set up that digital film department over yeah. there, digital yeah. cinema department over there and he's he moved to I uh, Cincinnati I believe and took over the department there but he managed to get me and Rooker to do this yeah. when I, was this uh, this oh. is in the 2014 or oh wow or so you, when you guys ago? are yeah. well known especially yeah, yeah, yeah. Rooker at this point oh yeah yeah, yeah. Michael you're... Michael stepped in and well Michael's and... a graduate of the Goodman School yeah. which okay was absorbed that's right by DePaul that's right. Is that where you first saw him before you saw Henry? Or no, no, no. He came. Uh, there was uh, we had a makeup. We had two makeup artists on Henry. One uh, was a guy named Bernd Renschef, who was from Berlin, and he did all of our. He was really uh, skill. He did just the regular hair and makeup and stuff. He was re- okay. really skillful and he did a lot of the still photography. Yeah, he was really uh, crazy. Did guy. he do uh, Tommy Toll's rat comb through through the oh eye thing? God, no, no, yeah. no. That was Jeff Siegel who did the special effects makeup. Yeah. Okay. And Jeff Siegel had worked in Chicago theater uh, and had cast Rooker into a play. So we were casting for the role of Henry. We brought in a lot of people from uh, the organic. We brought in Tommy Tolls. We brought in Tracy Arnold, and they wanted uh-huh. to play. And Richard Fire, who was from the organic also, and I wrote Henry and at his apartment uh, up on, in a high-rise on Hollywood uh, in Sheridan. And uh, he, he suggested Tommy Tolls for Henry. Yeah. And I didn't think Tommy was right for Henry, but I thought he was a— Perfect for Otis, Otis yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which he was, and Tracy was doing ER at some dinner theater with the Organic Theater because they'd moved it from the Clark Street yeah. uh, Organic out because it ran for so many years. Uh, but we were looking and looking for a Henry. We just couldn't find the right. Well, I remember we brought in this one young Chicago theater actor who was, oh, he was a very important person in his own <laughs> mind. And he came in and he read and he and we offered him the role because he was he refused. It was beneath him. Never heard of him again. What a yeah. jackass. What a dick. <laughs> what a dumbass. So, so we had another actor who was a bit older and he was a very good actor, Chicago theater. I forget who it was. And we were going to cast him. And uh the problem being he wasn't particularly sexy. It wouldn't have been a really sexy relationship between him and Becky. Yeah. Uh, and then Jeff Siegel says, well, I know this guy, uh, you know, and he's from Jasper, Alabama originally. He's yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I cast him in this play and you should really look at him. And R- Richard Fire hated Jeff Siegel. And he didn't know. No. Really? really? <laughs> oh, my so, God. So I just, come on, Richard, you know, what do we got to lose? Richard was a bit set in his ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Richard, I loved Richard. He was he was a genius. Oh, likewise. I mean, I, I remember him crazy. from the organic. Yeah, and yeah, he was, yeah. a, you he know. was really crazy. Uh, but good crazy. So anyway, I, I said, no, we got to see this guy. Uh, what do we got to lose? I mean, all we can do yeah. is say no. And believe, we're sitting in Richard's apartment, and there was a knock at the door. And I went, got up and to answer the door, and I opened the door, and, and I, and I, and there was Rooker, and yeah. and he had been prepped. He came in the Henry. same clothes he wore in the movie, except oh, for his no shoes. Shit. The only thing we changed was his shoes. And I just looked at him and I said a prayer. I said, "Oh God, please let this guy be, be able, able to, to act." Because exactly. <laughs> and, and, and what an amazing performance it is, <clears throat> and I, I liken it. Believe it or not, to El Pacino's performance in the first Godfather, where he had that really eerie, frightening stillness. Yeah, yeah. And he says more by doing nothing and just with physicality and presence, and uh, than any other actor I ever saw at that time. And I, I try to tell young filmmakers, I said, you know. Uh, 
if you want to do this, I mean, what it mostly requires is the will to, the will to do it, to go beyond. Um, you know, these guys gave John McNaughton a hundred grand. He made a masterpiece, and he did it by marshalling his elements, his cast, um, his story. Uh, yeah, can the, I can I cut into there? Sure, story please wise? do. What what influenced the story of Henry? I'm sure it's out there. I just I'm I haven't researched it. Oh, I'm, Henry I'm Lee Lucas, person, the murderer. But, True story. But, okay, but sort the of. thing I think, but the thing I find about Henry is it's he's he's not just a serial killer. He's he's a city serial killer, and it, that comes with a whole bunch of different qualities. I think in 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 horror movies. I mean, it's not just like Jason or or like yeah. Michael Out Myers. I got. I got a spooky mask. Ooh, no! This guy is Out like there with the Trump voters. Stalking. <laughs> he's guy. he's hiding in parking lots. He's you know yeah. he's he's videotaping. Lower Wecker Drive. So much to this character, and and it's based off a real person uh, who never set foot in Chicago in his life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Texas. Who was, who Texas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Te- Texas in the Southwest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, was where he roamed. That is the real guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he he lied about a great many killings, but yeah. they 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 know for mother. sure he killed. <laughs> his, they oh, know yeah. he killed his yeah, mother. Yeah, he was a cold. Yeah. He was a cold. And he probably dude. killed Becky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and they think he killed thirty other. more people. Well, they, um, it's, it's impossible to say. Yeah, really, because yeah, yeah. he was also a pathological liar, and, and also, probably sir, to his, him it adds to his, his record. Well, his confessions. His, yeah, they, they in Texas they formed the Henry. Once he started confessing, he his life be, became the best it had ever been. <laughs> and they would yeah. they would show <laughs> from around and take yeah. him to crime scenes, and then they would buy him they, McDonald's they, and shit. They made, you know, he started I mean, saying, "I would all he wouldn't eat hamburgers anymore. He wanted steak." He had to have fresh palm oil <laughs> cigarettes for every day. I mean, wow. they had the Henry Lee Lucas task force in a special <laughs> building with him, and they took him around and he would and they would feed him clues. Oh yeah, did you know that she had uh, a red lipstick on her left finger? <laughs> oh yeah, I heard. Yeah, she had left. <laughs> you know, and he would they, he would close all these cases for them. And so wow. every you know it was self serving. Richard and I always wanted to make a second film called Henry. Henry, part two, superstar of crime. Yeah. Henry Inc. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know, the one thing oh, is that man. they've made a pretty compelling case that his his stooge partner, Otis Toole, was probably the man who killed Adam Walsh's son. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Adam Walsh believes, and I, I've seen him state that many times. Do you... Do you Put any validity in that? I, you I, know, I, it's it's interesting. You know, Ron. I can Ro- I can believe that he wants to believe that because <clears throat> it, it, you know yeah. you can't imagine losing a child. Yeah, and, I, I don't want to. You know. Uh, because I don't know. So for me yeah. to say anything, and I know it it set him off on this. Well, not the fact that Otis did it. The fact that his child was murdered set him off on his current career. Yeah. And he, they, you know. He's done a great uh, deal of good they, in the world. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people got caught off that show. But I, you know who Ron Rosenbaum is, the writer? He writes for Vanity Fair. Yeah. 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 Uh, he uh, he wrote a piece of Vanity Fair, but you know he was, you know, he hated Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, he, he's yeah. a prick. Okay, we can say it. You know, <laughs> I'll say it if you won't. He's a prick. Um, he wrote so, he wrote an article about Henry. And, well, he wrote an article. I don't know exactly what it is, but he, he had a lot bad to say about the film in oh, okay. Vanity Fair article that he didn't really kill anybody, and it's all a lie, and it's just like <laughs> oh no, it's hey, bullshit. He hey, killed Jag a few off, people. Call it, yeah. it's fiction. It's you know? a movie. It's yeah. a movie. <laughs> Does it? You know what is it? Uh, I think what's so unnerving about it is that there isn't 
any of the devices that you see in the Jason movies or the Michael Meyer movies or any of those slasher. No ooga booga. No, no, no not no, at all. Uh, no, you know. Uh, no fantasy. No synthesizer, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, the very most frightening thing is the, the quotidian element of it, the common yeah. everyday, uh, really kind of working class milieu of uh, a guy who just moves among people like a virus. And somebody that you would not even notice because he is so commonplace. And I think what unnerved people is that, wow, this could be, uh, you know, my dog walker, my neighbor, my, you know, my bartender, my, you know, anyone well, who it, you know, works for Streets and Sand. I, I love that <laughs> scene, know? man. I knew I was going to have to mention this sooner or later when the guy's like, hey, man, you check the Bears name? And he just gives him that cold look and he goes, fuck the Bears. And, he, and I, every Bears opener, <laughs> yeah, every Bears yeah. opener, I post that video for, for the people who, who want to know what I think of like the Chicago Bears. Chris, but, we want to tag that, that on the end of this show. Oh, man. If if we can, especially but, uh, with the way I feel about the NFL anymore, oh, man, God, I yeah. can't watch it. Well, you know? to me, it was always if you weren't sure Henry was bad, a bad guy, th- that was the proof. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was the year they were they were going to the Super Bowl. We, we oh, sta- sure, yeah, yeah, we stopped. We were shooting on a Sunday in uh, the apartment, which is right on the corner of North and Woods. The building's still there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Rose Exterminators are still two doors down. Yep. Uh, at, at Killing anyway. is our living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love but those guys. We, they, but the Bears were playing Dallas that once the Sunday we were shooting in that yeah. apartment and we stopped we stopped shooting and watched the Bears beat Dallas that was one of the happiest days of my life oh yeah I hate Dallas oh, I no hate shit. the Cowboys I hate, I Tom hate Landry. Landry yeah <laughs> oh, my man. personal relationship with Jesus and God <laughs> yeah. fuck well especially you. what they're doing America's now team. With, no not America's yeah. team they're doing with the kneel you know you got one of their players going well we are America's team so we will stand for you are not America's yeah. team yeah. and it's fuck like, you you're not America's uh, team it's like it's like one you sound like a robot and two didn't you guys do that cheesy kneel last season where you all kneeled together and it's like you did it with uh did it jones yeah or, yeah i don't know it's such horse shit yeah it, you know? it's it, it's amazing it's amazing what uh how much control the nfl has over just well i have a feeling i have amazing. a feeling they're about to lose a lot of it well no namely hopefully. all of the support i would think of their african american fans and if i were them I, I would absolutely not watch the nfl anymore ever well i think oh, mothers man. are just not going to let their kids play football anymore you know yeah. what you know what based, luckily, on, based on the evidence i hope not you know man. what john luckily he never wanted to play football i mean I play, well, he grew up dude, the nba was <laughs> i played a, you know. I, i've said this a couple times but I, I love telling this story i played flag football once and that yeah. was enough for me it's like you got all these like people like being like yeah it's like kids who don't know how to swear yet but they're they're trying it out for the first time yeah. and it's like you got these coaches just like allowing it like oh yeah <laughs> It's like you got someone calling someone a homophobic slur, and the, I'm looking at the coach like, "Is that? Is that? Are you gonna allow that?" And the guy's just like, "Okay, Timmy, play harder." It's like, <laughs> exactly, Jesus, dude. Yeah. Or, or what the coaches used to tell you, you know, pain is weakness leaving the body. Yeah, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that that age is very much over. I have a that, feeling. I mean, a lot of the problems with the United States um, is teams, you know. Oh yeah, our team, their team. Yeah, you yeah. Know. I, I can and see football that. is like you know the jockocracy. And I played football in high school. T- so did I. For, for fang- finger high school. 
Yeah. What position? <laughs> wait. What position were you? In what position were you? I, I wasn't very good. I played defensive back. Okay. Uh, but the camaraderie. I still. I still. Those are still my buddies. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. I understand. Yeah. When you're all looking the same way down the field, I, I get it. You know. <laughs> yeah. I was a tackle. I was the defensive. Player, yeah, I know. rode bench on on every team I I, I was on, but I, I, I still am cool with all my teammates. Yeah, I was the funny guy, so there's always room for, for hey a man, guy who man. Can make people laugh. So you yeah. love a guy who put Nair on another guy's jockstrap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't pull pranks. I, I, I'm, but, I'm yeah. trying to remember some of the idiot stuff we did. There was a lot of it. You know, oh, man. well, you'd go to the opposing team's field and like paint a big. Pink pee in the middle. Of their well, we were, or, I, we, we were when we, I was on the freshman sophomore team. We got on the bus. And we went to Englewood to play to play fresh the fresh. Fro, it used to be called frosh. Frosh. Soft. Soft, yeah. I don't know why frosh means. It's freshman sophomore. Yeah. But uh, we went to play in Englewood. We're the white yeah. kids from Roseland yeah, and the exactly. black kids from Englewood. <laughs> exactly. And literally, how'd when, that work out when, for when you? We, <laughs> when we were in the huddle, there would be rocks bouncing off our helmets from the kids <laughs> on the sidelines. <laughs> it was pretty nuts. So you're a child of Chicago. I mean, oh, you're yeah. a lifelong Chicagoan. Oh, yeah. South from the south, the Southside tribe. Yeah, you're from <laughs> Roseland. Roseland. I just heard property values have finally gone up and roll. You can buy a, you can buy a, a foreclosure for fifty three grand. They're and no longer <laughs> flip it. They're no longer calling it Bumtown. Oh, they are making a big mistake. <laughs> How many places? It's you know, it, it's like. Baltimore called Mob Town. I mean, that's yeah. you know, like Brooke Eaton. His his props business is called Mob Town Props. He's doing the Bruckheimer show in New Orleans, but it's Mob and, Town. And before that, they were going to call it Pig Town because yeah. it's part of Baltimore. It's called Pig Town, you <laughs> yep. know, which is full of like hillbillies and people who look like Brooke Eaton. <laughs> but Bum Town is a, a badge of honor. You know, Brooke Eaton. You, you know who he is, Max. He was on the wire. He was White Mike. White Mike on on the wire. Dude. His mother's Pat Moran. Uh, yeah, who, the great Pat Moran. Yeah, Pat Moran. Produced, you know. uh, producer of John Waters. John Waters' best friend. The cast, cast oh, Homicide, cast homicide all of John's pictures. Street, right. cast, yeah. cast The Wire, cast everything out of Baltimore. She's an amazing When person. I went in to, to work on Homicide, she goes, you know... You know, something must have come over me. I've let all you mix from Chicago in this thing. <laughs> McNaughton was here. How is McNutty? You Wait, know? McNutty. He wouldn't. He would not. He would not start a film shoot one morning because he didn't have a cappuccino. Ah. Some poor asshole had to go all the way back. He had to go to the Daily Grind, right yeah. in Fells Point, Fells Point. Oh, that's and bring him a cappuccino, or he was not going to shoot one frame of film. That's awesome. Wait, you directed the homicide episode with Robin Williams? No. Oh, okay. No, Okay, why do, I don't know why. I, I, I that, was, it, I was, it was, uh, uh, what's his name? The Gyllenhaal, Stephen Gyllenhaal, father to right. Jake. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what's Maggie. Her, and Maggie. Yeah. 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 And he no. was, uh, I think he might have been friends with Williams, but. Uh, you directed the masterpiece with Ned Beatty and Juliana Margulies. Yeah. Pl playing in the, the and I got solo. into a scrape with Ned. And oh, that's because of that shot. He called it a choo-choo train. Oh, Christ, it was great. <laughs> One of the most beautiful things I've ever seen on television. So, I anyway. heard the cast of Homicide was very wild. Oh. Is, that, is that always? Oh, fuck, they're out of their yeah. minds. You, yell, you <laughs> yell cut, and they were across the street in the bar drunk in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All of them. And the worst thing you could ever have, if you ever had a scene where they were all in it, the mm. director, they would... Eat you alive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> wow. It was like they. Well, were, you had the oh, Yafet Koto Andre Brower kind of. I, I loved working with those two. Yeah. 
I had many scenes with them. They it was a real love hate because everybody said to me, "Whatever you do, don't don't approach your fat. Don't don't talk to him. Don't don't look at him. Don't make eye contact." Blah, blah, blah. So naturally, I walk up and I said, "Mr. Cotto, it's because of uh, Steel Yard Blues that I became an actor. You know the Paul Schrader movie. Oh yeah. Um, and he was in a. He I worked to, with everybody. I, John yeah. Wayne. I said I wanted. I just wanted to shake your hand. It's one of the greatest performances by an American actor I've ever seen. You know what? We talked baseball. We, you yeah. know, oh, you well, felt he and I like a great deeply He wanted me to direct a movie that he was trying to put together called Enemy, which was a ripoff of Alien, where he was <laughs> going to be the star, of course. Yeah. And he was trying to get me to direct it. Uh, I got along great with him, and I got along I great with him, Andre. Man. I loved him. I got along you know? great with that entire cast except for Ned Beatty. Yeah, I heard he was crazy. He he pulled a knife on Jimmy Finnerty or yeah, something. Well, yeah, I think so. And maybe it was Yafet, but it was just a butter knife. He <laughs> yeah, picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we picked it up off there. Yeah, off I the mean, table. and it's a shame because uh, like Ned Beatty is a fine, great fine actor. actor. Uh, but God, I sort of, I, I, I was just, you know, I'm show, I've been showing but he, episodes. But he's a nutty guy. You yeah, know? I've been showing episodes to my class, and I and he he, you know, and I directed him in. a number of episodes and we be, we patched it up because he was really pissed about that choo-choo yeah. shot scene you know uh he shouldn't have been it was so gorgeous but man. i i sort of see that you know after he'd won the academy award and he's just that was when television was still sort of a step down and he was very right. resentful i think of now doing every TV movie starts trying yeah. to get tv, TV is steady work big money what did he win an oscar for what network was oh yeah oh, wow. he won an oscar yeah. for one scene that one scene in the conference room, and Which he deserved is, and it. Goddamn right, Oscar, he did. Oscar you know, um, <laughs> one of the greatest. It was uh, a great performance. He absolutely. But I think he sort of felt that he should be doing feature films, and he was working beneath himself to be in television, and he was kind of cranky and unhappy about it. Oh but man, Homicide was me. one of the first shows that sort of paved the way for deeper television well, series. Well, it absolutely right? elevated I mean, it absolutely elevated television. I mean, you you had such yeah. uh, a deep reservoir of talent among the writing staff, chiefly among them Jimmy Yashimura. Who is back here, I believe. Yeah, I'm hearing he's back here. I've not I saw, seen him. Yeah, or no, I saw him. him. I had high tea with he and his wife at uh, his son's here too. His son's a really cool young man. I think he's a writer also. A, a number of you remember when the last writer strike was? Yeah. Well, Chicago. I was yeah. a WGA member. I am a WGA member, and so they were trying. There's not that many here. Ninety-four. So they were trying yeah. to scrape up some WGA members to to you know to pick it. Mm-hmm. And there, where do you pick it in Chicago? Then we picketed the Disney Store on Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a fuck but, you, Mickey. Uh, but, uh, I don't, I don't, Jimmy's son was there. I don't remember if Jimmy was there or not. I think Jimmy was still in Baltimore. No, he was back in Chicago by yeah. then. They, they after the Oz. You know, he's from he's from where me and Max used to live from Lakeview over there on Southport and uh, he. I, By St. Uh, Alphonsus. He used to yeah. work in the Tribune paper warehouse. Pushing his big pushing ass big fucking rolls. roller yeah. papers And, and he around. wrote a play called Union Boys. And guess who was in it? Rooker. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. And I went to see that play. And soon thereafter, Tom Fontana, I don't know exactly how he spotted Jimmy, if he'd seen the play or whatever. If it was in, but then they yeah. hired him into the writer's you know, room at uh, on Homicide. Yeah, and he worked know, his way up to the one of the top dog writers. And the late, great Sean Witzel uh, was a writer 
on uh, on homicide and uh, there were a lot of good people that worked. Yeah, that show. Um, and toward the end, George Pelicanos and what's his uh, name? Prince. Uh, oh, he died. He wrote a novel about the CIA. What's his name? Henry Brumell. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, homicide was like one of the greatest experiences. And Jean de Zagunzac was a cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest handheld cameramen yep. that ever walked. Yep. And uh, who was the other guy? Alex. Uh, he, he was. He, he, he wasn't a DP. He was a director. He, like a Russian name or a Ukrainian name or something. Lots of guys. I mean, yep. uh, <laughs> and, Jim, uh, and, and the legendary Jimmy Finnerty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a character. <laughs> Can you say Westy? <laughs> um, but a good guy. I mean, yeah, I got guy, along with him. Fairest guy I ever uh, met. And I got, I you, got to do a scene. If you were doing scene. your job, he was behind you. Absolutely, man. He was great. If you weren't, God help you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a scene with Belzer, uh, Kyle Secor, and Peter Garrity. And watching Garrity work up close is, was astonishing. You know, he was one of those guys, I think they got him out of Baltimore rep. Could be. And... Uh, just a phenomenal actor, you know. And uh, Belzer kept reading my lines to me. You know, <laughs> it's like Bells, that's my line. You know, um, but it went really, really well. And man, uh, I learned something marvelous about uh, new film acting: is that there's a lot of cameras working at the same time. It isn't one, you know, stationary wide shot, and then uh, yep. something comes in for the two or. No, there was one, you know, rolling around up top. And it's like, okay, just remember your theater training. Don't look for the camera. Camera will find you. And, wow, it was marvelous. And I just thought, I, when, when I finished that particular scene in that episode, I thought, I want to do more of this. This was really, yeah, I, I, that I, was kind of my gateway drug. Well, you I, know. you know, same thing. They, when they they asked me for the first season to come and do an episode, and I said no. I, you know, again, TV, I stuck my nose up TV. The second season, I needed to pay the rent, and so <laughs> I said yes. And it, it but in the first season, it wasn't Jean de Zagonzac was not the cinematographer. Second season, and to the end of the show, it was. Yeah. And I had gone to graduate school at Governor State University for one semester with Jean, who was uh, working yeah. for Marion Marzinski, the great documentarian. Yeah. And they and he had been his student at uh, RISD. And he came to, you know. Well, he, 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 I think he worked with it. Barbara Koppel directed our episode. So Jean, I think. So anyway, uh, you know, it's just it was just a great group to work with. And so I agreed to do an episode and came and thought I was working beneath myself. I had such a great time with that gang. That They're I kept a fun going, bunch, yeah, man. I kept going back. And Baltimore, I loved Baltimore. I was How just many a, crab cake sandwiches oh, God, did you eat? Uh, you know, but that's I won't eat a crab cake sandwich anywhere else. I know, you know, I know they ruin you. They ruin yeah. you for them. You <laughs> know, I mean that's, that's where they may. You know, I yeah, go to L.A. I remember what's that? I'm going. Oh. We're going to Ocean City at the end of August. Yep. You know, and I'm it's safe to eat crab cakes yep. again. You know, that's good because they make the best. The minute ones you there. step outside of Maryland, everybody else is trying a pale imitation. Yeah, you, you know? know, you know the scene in. Uh, What's the movie with Danny DeVito and... Uh, Ten Men. No, Danny DeVito and, and John Travolta, and it takes place in Hollywood. It's a, it's a Elmore Leonard. Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Get Shorty yeah. And they go to the restaurant, 
it's the Ivy in, in, in Los Angeles yeah. where a lot of celebrities and stuff go. And, and he goes, oh, you know, oh, is there oil in that? Oh, don't, you know, and he's fussing. Oh, can I have, the, it's not on the menu, but can I have, you know, the typical yeah. Hollywood horse shit. But uh, Egg whites Ivy with is, shallots. Yeah, and, yeah, Ivy yeah. is known for its crab cakes in L.A. I spit them on the floor. This, this, this no compared shit, to Baltimore, really. this is, this is. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's not. A... John sends him back. Oh, and goes, man. give him back to the cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, have, fly me in from Baltimore and fly him in from Baltimore next time, please. So, meal. That's what the you know your meal with uh, crab juice. Your career's oh, had this God. fascinating trajectory, <clears throat> and it started with, you know, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and then, um, you know, Mad Dog and Glory, Wild Things. What? Uh, you never wound up being becoming an L.A. creature. You you had a place out there for a while, but you could not really. Well, I had uh, Osama bin Laden <clears throat> not uh, attack the World Trade Center. I'd probably still have that place. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, business just died. Oh. Uh, the movie, you know, working at the studio level at that point. Uh, like I say, in two thousand, in the year two thousand, I think there was like sixty three studio pictures in production in October. Yeah. In 2001, there were 11. Wow. Uh, which meant 11 directors were working, you know, yeah. in, in the whole in, in the studio system. Is that all dude in 11? Yeah. Oh, that town just, uh, I, again, I was living in Santa Monica Canyon where I bought that beautiful house with the ocean view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then sold it to like the Wilson brothers or something. Well, no, didn't they you? didn't buy it. They tried to lowball me and I told yeah. them to beat it. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> They sent, they pull they up sent, to his they house. Sent they, Paltrow, to... they sent Gwyneth Paltrow as a ringer, like she was buying it for herself, you know. And I, I got the real word. It was for, uh, which one was it? Luke, Luke or Owen. Luke. They pull, it was for Luke. They pull oh, up to okay, the house, okay. and John does this real dick thing. He goes, so are you guys in the business? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do, guys. You lowball you, man. But anyway, uh, there was a uh, street called West Channel that ran almost to the ocean, very or down the hill a little bit from me. And there was this really fabulous little Italian restaurant and a, a family that had come over from Italy. And it was, you know, it wasn't a fancy place, but it was really a good place. And it used to always be packed. And I remember like the, the first week, weekend after 9-11 going down there, there was like one other table occupied. No, I mean, the town was, you go to the studios for a meeting, they would stick mirrors under your car, open your trunk, pat you down. No shit. I mean, it was Nuts. Wow. <clears throat> I remember f the first few times flying afterwards, just getting oh, yeah. all my shit tossed. I flew and... in the night from, from L.A. to Chicago the night before, and I was lying in bed sleeping when a friend called Jim Cole called me from New Orleans and said, turn on your TV. Yeah. And, you know, woke me up, and then I was glued to that TV for the next, you know, number of days. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, everyone It, it was, was hypnotic. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, um, you know, at a certain point with with the media too, and I think this is really where the twenty four hour news cycle oh, yeah. picked yep. up. It, it's an exorable traction, you know, to our everlasting regret because it's like we have the best show on TV. It's the pornography of grief. Yeah, it is uh, the misery of other people, and uh, I, I think there was something eventually. Just incredibly unseemly about it, and you know when when Michael Moore made Fahrenheit 9/11, he never shows that footage of the the tower getting hit and the plane, the buildings coming down. Yeah, he does. No, he blacks it out. 
Are you sure? Yeah, watch it. Um, there, okay, there's a there's a shot where. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll leave it at that. I well, can't no, watch. Uh, I can't watch the when they you see the people diving out. Yeah. No. I no. I mean, that. it's just uh, at a certain point, it's it becomes something else. It uh, we become this voyeuristic, uh, leering of. Uh, you know, complice and misery. I, I, I mm-hmm. just, uh, I have a really hard time kind of squaring that, and I don't think our country's ever been the same. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't think, think the world's been the same. Yeah, no. and I think it led us, you know, uh, mightily to where we to are where we now. are today. Yeah. absolutely. You know, I mean, I think I actually think all of that started with you know the day the night Reagan was elected. It's been that sad. All I remember mm-hmm. having been a United Steel worker, a United Auto worker, and a Union carpenter, and uh, when he fired the air traffic controllers, I just went, "This is the beginning of a bad, bad." Yeah, absolutely. Idea. Absolutely. You know, Steve Earle's father was. You know, you know what Paco was striking for, right? They were trying to get more money. They were trying to get. Shorter shifts because, you know, guys were way, way too tired and it was becoming dangerous. They wanted to make well, air just, travel just, more dangerous. Just the idea of taking and, the, the Union air traffic controllers and firing them all and bringing in scabs, basically. Is and what did. yeah. You know, with putting people's lives at risk. Yeah. You know, God. it's more important to screw these guys. The And yeah. I, I, females, I'm sure there were men and women. uh but mostly at the time, mostly men, and just you know, show who's boss, and yeah, and that fuck the people that are flying in the airplanes. Oh all man, the, you hey, know. <laughs> Reagan, Reagan was an unmitigated disaster for this country. You know, every time I see that he got the big gooey send off, I'm like, you know, stop that, her- uh, stop that hearse, flip yeah. that coffin open, drive a stake through that bastard. <laughs> well, heart, remember when they were know? talking about putting him on a dollar bill? I think they yeah. were talking about making. Maybe replacing someone on the twenty, or maybe potentially making—I feel well, like you can kick Andrew Jackson was off. That, you know? was it, yeah. <laughs> Although I always sure. thought, yeah, I always but... thought the guy on the twenty was Keith Richards. You know, it's like you know, yeah, that, that's a lot better than Reagan. It's, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, you no, Reagan. Reagan is the biggest snow job uh, in American yeah. history. Totally. I mean, we find out more and more every the great day. Great communicator. Yeah, the great bullshitter. He, he talked to a bunch of really scared people mm-hmm. and relieved them of uh, the consequences of their own shitty choices. Very resembling of uh, uh, yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, believe me. I mean, there, there were a couple of playbooks that uh, uh, Trump Trump very carefully had explained to him because I'm pretty sure he didn't read them. Right, <laughs> right. Fucking yeah. moron couldn't read a grocery list. You know, you know. Believe me, that asshole's lips move when he reads the funnies. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, in case I haven't said it today, fuck you, Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> he was at the premiere oh, of my uh, Lansky film in New York. He oh no, up. shit! Really? <laughs> yep. Well, did yeah, you he see? Didn't, him? He didn't did come to the movie. To he just came to the after party because I imagine his. <laughs> yeah. I imagine his social secretary just you went down. Yeah. Well, there's going to be cameras here tonight. Why don't you? You know, and he just. I mean, we showed the film and uh, there's going to be cameras and plenty of trim, Donald. You know, a- HBO. You know, funded the the premiere and they funded it well. And it was in some downtown building that had a big screening room in in the Wall Street area. Oh, I know where that is. It's by Battery City. Somewhere, yeah, yeah down yeah, there. Yeah. I don't remember the building, and 
what was I in? I forget the name of the hotel I was in, but the 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 High Times gang showed up at my hotel room <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> the next morning. The only thing left Count in the mini bar was one bottle of Kahlua, one little <laughs> yeah. everything else. Somebody was not having <laughs> was, any was black empty, Russians. Empty, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, at the, so he watched the movie, came out into this big, huge lobby, and they had all the food and booze and everything out there, and a million what, people. What year was the Lansky movie? I, I feel like. I because I was I was on I was on his IMDb just to just to get some years. I felt like I read ninety seven. Yeah, that sound about, right? about right. Okay. Yeah. okay. But uh, we do you com- still have the Lansky T shirt that you wound up making? I don't know, man. I don't know. But I, if I could find it someday, that'd be great. Come out into the lobby and I look around. And I see cameras. I see lights. And there's this idiot with the with the hair. Just smiling, say you know, just there to soak up some camera. And I look over, and who's next to him? Johnny Cochran. Same Whoa. thing. Had nothing to do with the movie. They both just showed up for the celebrity effect, you wow. know, to yeah. get in some columns and to get some some coverage. They're just yep. they're just you know one dimensional Kodak yeah. people. You know, they're yeah. they're. Uh... Neither one of them were in the screening to watch the movie. They just came to get FaceTime. Man. So strange. Yeah. And he looked like just this artificial thing, Trump, with that oh, hair. Oh, with, <laughs> with that thing on Did his Did you read hand. the book, yeah. the, the the Michael Wolf book, the Fire and Fury thing? No, I haven't read it. Fucking idiot What's never wanted to win. He he just, he, he wanted it to launch his own cable Brand, network. Yeah. 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 Well, here's hoping that sometime in the next couple of years, they're trading him for Packs of cools, <laughs> yeah, and Leavenworth. Oh my you god! You know, d- d- please, please. Well, we'll see. I mean, but can you imagine? I think what they're going to do is they'll, they'll get, you know, Jared and uh, Don Junior first. And honestly, you know, if those <laughs> well, guys wind Bannon up, will, in, Bannon will send the army out then. To, yeah, the new yeah. Army. Well, if those oh, guys, well, the drooling well, you know, Uber here's army, the good the news. white army. <laughs> the here's Uber. the good news: we'll win. Uber. Yeah, the drooling goobers yeah. will be on the march. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mo, uh, you know, the hillbilly version of Mo, Larry, and Curly. The oh, good shit. news is we'll win. You know, um, I. But you know. If if Jared and Don Jr. go to jail first, I'm serious. They're they're carrying an ass baby by noon. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> they're going to be wearing a skirt. 15 I just minutes don't see that, they, they, that somehow that they're going to let the president of the United States go to jail. I don't see that. I think it would be the I, I best thing either. for us. Oh, well, I know? see him resigning and stepping down and having some sort of. Deal weird, in place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, farewell thing. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, I, I don't ever totally see him see resigning it. or stepping down. I think they're going to peel him out of there, you know, in a straitjacket. Well, I mean, we'll well, see. Hopefully, but we'll see. One can only hope. That's a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's one of my fondest dreams every night. Because <laughs> anyway. if if you can take him down, then there's no politician who's safe. And so that would be the, great. Yeah, that would well, be the best then, thing but for the, us. You've got the entire, you know, Congress, the Senate, and the House saying if they can do it to him, they can do it. To, they're gonna, they're a club. They don't want, you know. Right. Uh, you look at how many of them are owned, lock, stock, and cocked by the NRA. You know. Uh, yeah, that's... I, I really do not like politicians. You know? <laughs> Somebody tried to give me, well, you know, uh, we're we're all rallying behind this guy who's running against uh, Ted Cruz in Texas, and. From what I can see, he's a fine guy, but I'm not giving one more fucking dime to a politician. <laughs> I don't give a shit if he's running to be Jesus. Fuck you. I'm done with it. 
It's a slimy profession. Oh God! Even if you start out, that's I, why politicians I, do it. <laughs> you know, watching all the King's Men was on Turner a couple weeks back. Oh, it's a great film. And you know, Broderick Crawford starts out as this completely decent guy. Yeah. You know, Willie Stark, Huey Long. Yeah. Uh, completely decent guy for the people. And, you know, and he finally would go process out. And the process coarsens him. Yeah. You know, and I think and by the end he's a foul demagogue. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think perhaps that's way more true than not true. I think by the time yeah. you get to a position of power, you've sold over 100% of your ass to keep getting elected and keep moving forward, and you're not your own person anymore. You know? Yeah, I mean, look at uh, look at Obama. I mean, we were so set on him as as this as this leader yeah. and and then by the end of it all i mean he he did he did some things but i mean by the end of it all he killed he, he more people very, than george bush he did. seemed very broken also by the end of it all really i mean and he killed more people than george bush did yeah and he also i have to preface this with any criticism of president obama he also saved my life <laughs> So, so definitely uh, I, I, mixed I, feelings on him. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think the drones. I mean, uh, I think he should have halted it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't we don't indiscriminately kill non-combatants. You know, we don't yeah. indiscriminately turn our back on on immigrants and put them in cages. And the Obama crew was doing that too. Hmm. You know, and it isn't any good or uh, any measurable sense of decency when anyone does it do you blame what but do you blame that on what you said like sort of that that road into politics the process and, and yeah just that yeah the minute i knew that guantanamo well, you know he said day one i'm going to close guantanamo and then you know uh, after his first term guantanamo was still open somebody sat him down the room and said look pal this is the way it works yep you know, uh, if you want to get anything done, if you ever want to pass the ACA, uh, you're going to have to give them Guantanamo, which is nothing more than, you know, a black site. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, we, look, we have a federal prison for, uh, for you know, war criminals. It's called Leavenworth. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't uh, or we're not supposed to uh, have these nefarious clandestine sites where they, you know, yeah. where, where where they, they practice nefarious yeah. clandestine yeah. methods of extracting information. From exactly, right. like yeah. Abu Ghraib, Guantanamo. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not who we're supposed to be. And the sad lesson is, is surprise, it's who we've always been. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, I mean, the thing that keeps me invested in America is just what's written on the Statue of Liberty. You know, give me your poor, give me your tired, give me your humble mess. You know, the promise of it, that mm -hmm. maybe it could redeem itself. But the more and more days go by, the less evidence there is that that's ever going to happen. You know, we built this thing on stolen property, uh, genocide. Slavery. Kidnapping, yeah, slavery, uh, rape, and 400 years of uh, uh, oppressing, you know, people of color, mm -hmm. you know. You know, finally, fathers, when you think about it, they're just a bunch of rich farmers who didn't want to pay their fucking taxes anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, the uh, oh, founding fathers said, fuck you, you know, you make it sound like these were pillars of uh, uh, of the world. No. Yeah. That's, I mean, the that's greatest... that dazed and confused line when, when they're getting out of school and the, and the, the hot 
hippie teachers are saying, and remember, kids, when you're celebrating Fourth of July, just know what you're celebrating. A bunch of old, rich, white men who didn't want to pay taxes. And then there's a student who's leaving and goes, yeah! And he just doesn't give a shit. He's, his school's out. I, I mean, look at but Thomas Jefferson, it. the greatest theoretician on human liberty, owned right. slaves. Well, to me, at least they were espousing the values of the Enlightenment. You know, it was right. the repository. Yeah, I mean, at least the, at, at least, least they, they gave us a lip, nod. You know, service, like, you know? Uh, which, at least they threw in a fish. You know, which, there you go. Which was better. You know, it's still uh, again. You know, you look at the. I remember back in the day in the '60s, there's East Germany and West Germany, and if you're of the left, well, the communists. Are, it isn't so. You know, and I bought all that stuff. Yeah. In, yeah. The, in those days, but how many people like, were going from know, West Berlin to East Berlin, jumping the wall? None. None. <laughs> How many? People? Oh, and all that and all that shit about Castro. Well, Fidel and you know Cuba. Everyone in the house the same yeah. thing. Yeah, squalor. Yeah. They all got the same squalor. I mean, he was yeah. a tin horn despot and dictator and strongman piece of shit, just like the rest of them. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, the the left has, believe me, it's like. You know, you could take every single member of Congress, the president, the vice president, the speaker, those, just lock them on one gigantic plastic porta shitter, lock the door, light it on fire, and kick it down a fucking hill. And then there'd be a whole new crop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all their assistants yeah. would be like blackberry yeah. each other. Hey, man, there's an opening, you know? <laughs> this is my moment. The human race is uh, the human race. Yeah. Um,. <clears throat> Back to your career. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we do this all the yeah. time, though. Every conversation. Yeah, I'm gonna... we segue. But uh, I, th- I think I'm Mad a... Dog and Glory. Yeah, yeah. I, you know? that, I consider that, and I know you're, you're going to be like, get the fuck out of here, because you did that when I, when I told you this. But I think it is one of the most underrated movies of all time. Absolutely. And I think having two legendary characters and actors such as Bill Murray and Robert De Niro. That's flip not, the script. It's not every day, dude. Yeah. And getting them to fist fight. I mean, that's that genius. was a good fight. I just watched it. I that was a little easier, week. maybe, than you think. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So, well, it's not. There was like, a little sturm and drang on that it's set. Not, it's not just that fight that we were talking about. This. Caruso and Mike Starr, man. That, yeah. that fight's awesome, too. Well, man. I grew up yeah. on the South Side. I know what a fight looks like. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, didn't, that's a... I didn't win many, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing about yeah. it is uh, like Caruso kind of gets to win that fight. You know, real life, yeah. Star beats the shit out of him, you know? <laughs> well, I will say in, in Caruso's favor, that one uh, Star grabs him and just throws him across the room and he lands in a corner and some little table goes flying through the air. When, after the fight, Caruso pulled up his shirt, he had one of those strawberries the size of yeah. a basketball. Oh, I mean, he was yeah. he, he got whacked on that one. Yeah, that was a great fight scene, yeah. though, you know? Is the, was there some weird... I I don't want to I don't want to say tension like is there something weird about kind of flipping those dynamics with Bill Murray and Robert De Niro so Bill Murray's the mobster and here you have in the heyday of the 90s Robert De Niro is about to do all these weird mobster kind of characters well, like was, analyze this you know, and that and he was a go-to guy for mobsters but yeah, yeah but i feel like this it was the easy I, you know unfortunately for you know I, I looking back if i had to do over i might go with the expect that people like to have their uh 
their expectations satisfied. Yeah, but you know what? Okay. The great thing about it is you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, and, uh, well, I, and I thought that, De Niro yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah, you know, Bill Murray's great. awesome. Him, him intimidating yeah. De Niro, being like, "I got socks tickets." And he's, well, he's just, as, he's, as I've often said, if you knew those two guys personally, uh, either one, it's not so far off. They're, <laughs> they're yeah. Oh no. You know, oh I know, no. It's kind of what yeah. I gather. I, I know. <laughs> I know selves. that De Niro. Tell them the story about about you know. Bill waiting in the limo, like around the corner, for De Niro to get there first. Oh, I don't. I, 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 I want to stay on good terms with both of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They both treated me very well, uh, and they're both brilliant. I'll tell it in well, the next podcast. Well, no, well, whatever, man. But, but, that's uh, that's not that's not it. I think I, whatever happened on the set is is not important. But I think. We we cast De Niro first, Marty Scorsese, because okay. we were casting the picture Marty Scorsese, who couldn't have been kinder and uh, more generous to me. Uh, I wish I would have been kinder and more generous to him at the end of the movie. Uh, but at any rate, uh, you know, he, he very so very solicitous said, well, John, you know, uh, Bob's read this script, Bob De Niro, and he really likes it. You know, he said, you think you think he, you'd want to talk to him about being you know, like, no, fuck him. But fuck that Bob De Niro. I want to, you know, <laughs> it's like, of course I want yeah, Bob De Niro to come. No doubt. So, you know, Bob agreed to do the, the part. And then we were looking for the other. Uh, character. We saw all kinds of people, but we just but we weren't sure which role Bob was going to play. So we had two yeah. table reads, one where he played Mad Dog, which is what he plays, and one where he played the gangster uh, uh, Milo Frank Milo. Yeah, and when he played in the and amazing great New York actors came in for the reading. Yeah, uh, but when in the reading where we had him playing the part he would play, Christopher Walken read Frank Milo. No. <laughs> oh man. Shit. I wish I had a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. It was really a, a trip to watch it. What a what a what a character. Man, oh, I, yeah. I would <laughs> how do how do you not up from the part? Uh I don't remember. I don't remember exactly why. I don't think the studio was that interested in him at that particular point. Is this after oh, King of New York? Man. I don't remember. I don't remember what which came what, but it was Bob De Niro's suggestion to cast Bill Murray, uh, you know, and it was one of those things when he said, well, John, well, and he also was so kind and solicitous. I mean, he could have said, hey, punk, here's yeah. what I'm doing. If you don't like it, you know, <laughs> go go get a beer till I'm done and come back, you know, but he was always, whatever he had an idea, and he'd be so, uh, take your side, and he'd never say anything negative to anybody in earshot of anybody else, except one day and uh, <laughs> uh, so at any rate uh, he suggested Bill Murray and it was one of those things that my first reaction was what and then it was one of those things but the second reaction was wait a minute that could be very interesting yeah and so then I had a you know so then I met with Bill whom I didn't know at that time and I remember he was wearing a seersucker suit <laughs> I think it was an Armani suit and it looked like a rag on him you know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything does. Yeah, you know, and uh, we walked out. You could dress him in, you know, uh, Gianni Versace's finest, and he'd still look yeah. like, you know, <laughs> the guy from Caddyshack. Although, you, although you know? those tailored suits, there was a, I forget the tailor, Rita Ryak was the, the, the costumer, and she had a, an old Italian tailor in New York who did a lot for theater and for films. They and looked he, like Brioni he, suits. They well, they, but they were all custom cut. And yeah, I yeah, watched yeah. it. They, you know, Bill got to keep all those suits. He looked. <laughs> he, he looked good in those. Yeah, suits. yeah he did. Those are not. Those are gorgeous custom cut. 
beautiful suits. You know, I finally too. learned about keeping some of the wardrobe. They let you do that, <laughs> yeah. you know. They gave me a four thousand dollar Chappelle jacket from uh, from Patriot. Cool. Yeah, for yeah, because um, what are they going to do with it? They're going to store yeah. it where you know. And well, they, yeah. they don't really have that many places to put it. Yep. I mean, the Costumer Museum, which me and Max oh, man. went to, yeah, they got so much shit. They're they're trying to you know get rid of it. Yeah, and plus yeah. they're. I got. I'm a, I'm a weird size. I mean, you know, I'm normally large man for uh, a French show, you know, and um, they let me keep it, and uh, plus a Brioni tie. And <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, I look like about a million bucks yeah. in this thing. Did you, you know? wear your regular clothes in like U.S. Marshals and stuff? Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of all the things you played. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to guess. Like, yeah, those were just his regular yeah. clothes. Like, yeah. yeah, you just showed up and just got yeah, oozy. which would you know. The, Basically, biker clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I remember the first table read, and I remember thinking, I wish somebody was filming this because this is really historic. You know, it was De Niro and Murray and Uma Uma. Thurman. Uma was never lovelier. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! Um, the, The only time I ever had someone lie about their age, downward. No, lie their age upward rather. Because oh, I think she Zuma. was like 21 or something. Yeah. She was yeah. young. And this yeah. was right was, before oh, the, right the agent. She right before oh, Pulp Fiction, right? 26, yeah. yeah. Well before Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. She was just on Baron Munchausen or something. No, or she, uh, Dangerous Liaison. She did Dangerous Liaison. She also did the, what the, the who was the, oh, the American writer who went to Paris. He was famous for writing dirty books. Uh, Oh, uh, Henry and June. Yeah, Henry Miller. Yeah, she played. She played June. Yeah, An- Anais Nin was played by. Who did play Anais Nin? I forget. Small, petite, really beautiful uh, French actor. Hmm. But she was wonderful. Um, yeah, she had just done Henry and June. She was really. Re- she was a kid. Incredibly beautiful. But she was working. She she was, uh, you know, working on it, living on her own, working as a model when she was like fifteen. Oh wow. Yeah, and I mean, by the time we got her, she was well on her way to being yeah. a big star. Oh, okay, you know? so it was obvious. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's when she was with Gary Oldman. Okay. And I yeah. can tell you, it, it was uh. funny because there was this. W- there was this restaurant. It was one of the first d- good restaurants that opened on Milwaukee Avenue called Buona Fortuna. Oh, yeah, I remember. And it was a good Italian restaurant. It was a Polish kid, and it was this punk, Johnny Fortuna. And he was, we, we cast him as one of De Niro's gang because he looked like such a little hoodlum, which he was. Yeah, I and, remember. Uh, I remember the guy. Uh, and, and so I had dinner one night with Uma and Gary Oldman, who was in town, because they were, I don't know if they were ever married, but they were together. No, they were a thing. Yeah. And uh, Oldman was in the middle of playing Lee Harvey Oswald in Stone's picture. Yeah. Oh, and so I, I was like having dinner with Uma Thurman and Lee, Lee Harvey, Harvey Oswald. Oswald. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was in character. It was a weird dinner. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He, Jesus. I, I, I thought he was phenomenal as Winston Churchill. He's a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he is he, he just actor. is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mad Dog and Glory, I, uh, I keep thinking about it because it did. All of these kind of counterintuitive things, and which, I think which, that's which was gave the marketing department at Universal Pictures, you know, shit hemorrhages. Because oh, oh, I know, <laughs> but you know what? I think I think 
as it ages, it becomes more and more of a masterpiece. It's not a happy ending. You know, he loses the girl. She walks away, gets the ship beat out of him. And uh, the unhappy, miserable people go back to being unhappy, <laughs> miserable people. And the lesson of the movie is kind of there are these fleeting, transcendent moments of joy and happiness. And there's a shot that I will never, ever forget. You shot it on LaSalle Street. There was not another living thing in sight. And there's a deer right in the middle of it. And it, for me, was a metaphor for these beautiful, graceful moments that happen. And you had to be there. And you file those away. And you kind of know why you are where you are. This is why we stay in Chicago. There are moments of graceful poetic beauty yeah, that was the second deer they hold it all with. together <laughs> <laughs> that was the second deer yeah it was, it was the first the, one the borrower oh yeah <laughs> oh, that's wow, right yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah with the tommy tolls uh plastic seven up i hope never leader. to work with another deer two is plenty <laughs> yeah well we 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 had uh quite an, we had an experience working with a uh calming dog uh that yeah. was allegedly trained i'll tell you about it later <laughs> yeah but um yeah that's with the deer both times oh they're trained yeah uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, named, named, yeah they yeah, just follow directions every charlie. now and then that's yeah. really what it means yeah this dog was named charlie and we we went through four charlies you know so um <laughs> kids dogs I mean, and deer you know mad dog and glory though i think it uh when i think about it it kind of reminds me of the the film's that like Robert Mitchum made, like uh, out of, you know, out of the past, and, um, and and in the same spirit of guys like Sam Fuller, you know, where there there are people who are complicated and not necessarily happy, and um, what was the one that Fuller made? They Drive by Night, or was that a Nick Ray? That movie? was Nick Ray. Yeah. Drive by Night. Um, Fuller, you know, I, I got to be friends with Fuller at yeah. a film festival in Brussels. He was quite an old character. What was that like? He was just. <laughs> you know, they read him for Marlon Brando's part. And yeah, I saw. Father. I've seen. I've yeah. seen the, uh, t- the the screen test is yeah. bad, man. I I would have. I might have gone. Okay, might have gone. Yeah. Except he wasn't a name like Brando is a name. He was just a cool guy. He was a just a hell of a spirit, you know, yeah. be, because he fought in World War Two, and again when he came back to, uh, you know, he was. And the Normandy invasion, he, he and it was, you know, one of those companies were like, you know, all but three guys were killed, yeah. and he was one of them. And he came back. He couldn't speak for like a year. He couldn't speak. Yeah. He was so, you know, PTSD traumatized. Yeah. But uh, he made movies where, you know, there were good guys. You know, if you did something bad, you were going to die in that movie. If you were, if you yeah. violated <laughs> morality, and they, they, they because his movies were so brutal in many ways, they they were, you know, in the sixties and. He, oh, he was a fascist. He was a fascist. No, not at all. Not at all. The he moralist. Was a, yeah, moralist. Absolute moralist. But I was with him. We were in Brussels, and we were taken to their, whatever it is, their their Congress, their legislature. And it's an old building, and they've been there for hundreds of years, and it's beautiful old wood and stuff. But as you come in in the lobby area, there's a relief map of the country, you know, of the country of Brussels. Uh-huh. And I was standing next to, to Sam Fuller, and he's looking at that map, and he's looking at that map, and I hear me, he goes, and he, and I'm talking, and he goes, right there. And I look over, and he goes, that's where we were, you know? And I, wow. go, and I go, this guy, this, he was there, yeah. you know? 
he lived. None of that John Wayne that, shit. You know, while yeah. a lot of other of his comrades yeah. died. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just like, what is his memory? What is going through his mind now? What is his memory? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he was well, just an amazing see, guy. When you see the Big Red One in a bridge too far, the Big Red One was his company. Yeah, he was in you the know? Big Red One. Yeah. And they... Yeah, and they mostly and the Normandy, perished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, and a lot of those guys, when they came back, they never, ever said a word about it. Jimmy Stewart, who flew many, you know, many, many bombing missions. Charles Derning, you know, who uh, fought hand-to-hand to get back Lee, to Lee Marvin, unit. who got shot in the Lee ass. Lee Marvin, yeah. <laughs> and killed about six or seven guys with a, with a knife. Who you are know? you telling me Lee Marvin beat up he beat up someone <laughs> i i know i'm sure he's beat oh, up a lot he, of people but oh no he uh, we were talking um, someone specific lawrence tierney yeah 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 we you were know, talking lawrence about tierney, and he was and he was no Muslim. slouch himself oh no lawrence tough, tierney was tough a big guy tough guy so yeah and lee marvin like kicked his ass because we were you know? we were talking about edward bunker and we yeah. were talking about how they fought in like some random decade of time and yeah they met Two decades later, maybe three decades later, and on reservoir dogs. Reservoir dogs. <laughs> he goes, kind of looking. He goes, I'm staring like, at his, yeah. I'm staring at his big bald head, and I could see some of the scars I left him from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Ed Bunker was no joke, man, and he and he was a marvelous yeah. writer who wrote uh, No Beast So Fierce, so fierce yeah. which became Straight Time, Dog Eat Dog. Dog Eat Dog, which, which a, became a which shitty a movie. movie, unfortunately. But it, it was ha- a beautifully it has, written it has book. Some, it has some terrifying things about it. Yeah, though. I mean, I just some... wish it would have had. I liked Edward Nor- uh, Edward Furlong. In who, it. who made uh, uh, Who made Straight Time? Was that Hal Ashby? No, I have it recorded. I recorded it off Turner a couple of months. Well, whoever ago. made it, I mean, was just. Uh, it might have been Ulu. Was it Ulu Grossbart? You know, might have been. Could have been. But I know M. Emmett Walsh was marvelous, and uh, Gary Busey, Harry Dean Stanton, <clears throat> and Teresa Russell. You know, I just watched her yesterday in Wild yeah. Things. They showed in my class. Oh, oh man, I, I love Teresa. Teresa, was, Teresa is one of those brave. You know, hey, Teresa, you know, do the, do, oh. do yeah. You well, know, she was jump in off all the those... Empire State Building. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <You> who's, <know. laughs> who's the cook who made all those? The Lair of the White Worm and all those. Uh, her husband, Ken, right? Was it Ken Russell? No, it wasn't Ken Russell. It was. Oh, I was just thinking of him today. She married him. Uh, he made uh, with Bowie, Man Who Fell to Earth. Nicholas Rogue. R- Nicholas Rogue. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, The Lair of the Whore. White Worm. She starred in The Whore. Lair of the White Worm was made by Ken Russell. Ah. You know, and are um, these are these B movies or are these ooh. are these, these bigger no, big these time movies? These were right? considered. Uh, these were okay. our house these films. These are our house yeah. films. Okay. 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 Like The Man Who Fell to Earth is a really thoughtful movie. Yep. You it's know, cool I movie. love that okay. film. Yeah. Very cool um, film. I mean, you know, you grew up in the, in the absolute crucible of American filmmaking, the golden age, the seventies. What? How? How did that form you? Well, it was interesting. Like, I think, you know, I mean, you could still go and see John. When I was a kid, you could still go see John Wayne pictures. And you know, we weren't. The, I, it yeah. wasn't until I got to college that I realized there were certain pictures that you know started to realize who the auteurs were, who Howard Hawks was. Who, yeah. Who John, John Ford, Ford was, you know, who uh, and the great director and how they were uh, Orson Welles. How did you feel the first time you saw The Searchers? Did you see it? On I didn't a big see. Screen? I didn't see it on big screen, but I saw. 
I saw the man who shot Liberty Valance yeah. at, at, at on Michigan Avenue in Roseland, and that blew me away. Yeah, James Stewart, Lee Marvin. Yep. Uh, that and the the idea that talk about complex. The idea that you know print the legend. You know, you don't see to the end that flashback scene. You think Jimmy Stewart stands up to Lee Marvin and guns him down, but it isn't. John Wayne, who's going to lose everything, shoots him and then, you know, lets him have, what's her name, Vera Miles, his girlfriend that he planned to marry and he was building his ranch for. And he just goes and burns down his ranch and just gets drunk. But he's the one who actually pulled the trigger on Lee Marvin. And the, the complexity of that story is that, you know, yes, Jimmy Stewart's the man of law with the law book, but without the man with the gun behind him, he would have been shot down dead by Lee Marvin, mm-hmm. Liberty Valance in this dirty street yeah. in uh, whatever town. That's a great, that's one of my all-time favorite films. It's in my top 10 movies, even more than The Searchers. Really? Mm. <clears throat> okay. As long as we're talking about your top 10. <laughs> Run them down for us. I don't know. You know, I, they, they change. <laughs> okay, uh, well, you know what? Give us a thumbnail of what your top ten might look like. Well, uh, I don't know. That. Certainly, uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is on mm-hmm. it. Some, some movies, I, I, you know, they, they polled me for the sight and sound poll a yeah. couple of years back when Vertigo took over. And I put Vertigo on there uh, because I did see Vertigo at the at the theater i saw north by northwest in in the wow you know at the move in the movies with gary cooper no north by northwest is cary grant cary grant <laughs> and uh the beautiful grace kelly uh oh i'm trying to think of some of the the great uh is wings of desire on love it? you know i i loved wings of desire when i saw it i don't love it as much later wow really no it's 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 just for me isn't as great as it was when I first saw it. What about Cinema Paradiso? I never saw Cinema Paradiso. Oh man, it's a lovely movie. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm trying to think of the pictures I picked. The Bicycle for, Thief. I love the Bicycle Thief, and I, yeah. I'm trying to think of other pictures from that. The Italian neorealism and the French open New Wave. City. Yeah, Open City is a certain. I mean, you know, the, those yeah. at the, the old Clark Theater. We used to go there for a couple of bucks, and they showed all Breath, those pictures. Breathless. Breathless. I love Oh, Breathless. hell yeah. I, but no, but the one I love most of Godard is uh, the one with Lemmy Caution. What's that one? That really oh. futuristic, crazy detective story. Oh, oh God. God. Eddie Constantine it was, plays Lemmy Caution. Alphaville. Yeah, Alphaville. That's my yeah. favorite Godard picture. And I love yeah. Godard. It's just so such a nut. His <laughs> what I loved about Breathless is that Jean-Paul Beaumondo was not like a movie star handsome guy. No, he was a pug. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, was he was a big <laughs> fucking galoot, and it's like, and he got the girl. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. Well, he's, in he... France, like, ugly guys can get laid. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, he's not this tough guy either. He's like this lanky kind of, you know, uh, he wants to be tough, right? I mean, he wants to be Humphrey Bogart. He wants to be this gangster, but he's just he's just so what gangsters are in real life. He's kind of like, well, there's some yeah. tough, there's some tough badass well, Bel- gangsters, Belmondo but usually a, like Belmondo started the petty crime man, guys so are was, so like he was a boxer. frail. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I just saw some, I forget the name of the So picture. was Liam Neeson. He was, he was a boxer? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. That's why his nose is all bent. Yeah. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And he is built a little bit. I mean, he has some he has some tonage there, but but he had a I sense of humor see. about himself. That's what uh, that I loved. You yeah. know, and you find that in the French films, and that's like such a good thing. Um, that there's there's always you know a moment, a light moment. 
You know, we've we've covered like close to an hour and a half, and uh, this begs for a part two. Can we do this yeah. again? <laughs> yeah. Whenever. I'm, I'm, I'm around. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even gotten to uh, wild things or, oh. you know. Or Barry's drugs or, <laughs> yeah, or any Barry's of drugs. So, yeah. Oh, so, I was so, so sad. I saw a photo of it the other day and the sign's down. I'm very retired. My friend. Sold the building. My did, friend did he, did he Chris nail Keogh a sign? bought it. And is is he going to restore cut rate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's in good hands. You know yeah. what other sign he bought? The Three Aces sign. Oh, cool. And we, we have some plans for those signs which i'll tell Bar- you about later Barry's, that's that sign i'm you never met my old friend michael skip terrorist aka skip talk yeah. like this hey man hey man keep, <laughs> keep talking it tickles that was one of his favorite sayings he was this guy from the south side he was such a, a one-of-a-kind character yeah. and uh he was visiting uh I had the third floor. You couldn't crawl out on yeah. the sign. But from the second floor, at one time we were downstairs was Bruce Quist, the photographer, and we were in those windows, these big windows open up, and you could crawl right on to the, the flat part of the sign. And Skip goes out there, and he was drunk and high on pot, and, he was, and he's laying on the sign, tipsy. He goes, I'm free, man. I'm free. <laughs> and, 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 you know, if he tips over, he's going to you know break his arm and leg and he'd land on Milwaukee Avenue. You'd be lucky yeah. to be alive, man. <laughs> He's not alive. He got... He was in the Mil, uh, the McDonald's on 115th Street by Sherwin-Williams on yeah, Pullman. Yeah. Okay, so he was pulling up and he uh, butted... Right, right. In the drive through line, he butted in front of a guy and Skip always uh, carried some kind of weapon and the guy uh, objected Hey man, you butted in front of me. Uh, jumps out of his car with his buck knife and comes after the guy. And that buck knife wound up in Skip's heart, and that was the end of Michael oh, Skip Terrace. Oh wow! <clears throat> R.I.P. Michael Skip Terrace. Yeah, you have heard part one of the interview with John McNaughton. Stay tuned next week for part two. Kid, take us out. All right, thank you, John. You're quite welcome. Hey, how about those bears? Fuck the bears. Okay. Hey guys, this is Max Fitzpatrick of the Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you guys for tuning in to our 45th episode. Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer. Next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out to Parkwalk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery and the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. We are currently showing A Gift from Elaine by Massage Washington at Adventureland Gallery. Want to catch up on old episodes? Have any burning questions to ask Max or Tony? Then go to themaxandtonyshow.com and tune in next time for our 46th episode. Robin,